Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Come on in. Come on in. Do you want to wear headphones or not? Yeah, no, I do, because I like yeah. the sound of my own because yeah. I'm a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> This is my dream scenario. I like a headphone. They put like, is it compression on your voice? Makes you sound sexier than you really are? Mm, I don't think it works for you, David. Sorry. <laughs> have you got a coffee? Is that got fine? Is that working for you? Yeah, it's lovely. What have you got in there? I've got an, a single shot almond milk latte. Oh, Anna, very good. I am posh. You are posh. <laughs> almond milk's not sustainable, though. Almond milk's the, it's the next thing we're not allowed to have. Oh, I'm well, sorry. I can't have it. It gives morning. me a tummy ache. Whole milk. M- messes up my skin. What can I have? I'm not having black coffee. Sorry. Boring. I have black coffee. No, it's just a bit Yeah, but too... it makes you much cooler. I'm much cooler since I started having black coffee. Um, right, we had, uh, do you do a sound uh, check? That's the word. One Tell two, me what you had two. for breakfast. Oh, this latte so far. Is that it? Well, yeah, I was a bit disorganised this morning. I had uh, some Greek yogurt and some granola and some prunes, which is, that's, which is it, as I do. A nutritionist would say that's the best way to start a day. Would they? Yeah. For your, all your um, gut oh, stuff. That makes me feel very smug, except uh, when I'd finished the bowl, George and then said, you know that yoghurt's two weeks out of date. <laughs> oh, tangy. <laughs> so if I start chucking up halfway through this, you'll know why. Oh. It will be one of my boring stories. <laughs> <laughs> She's faking being ill. So you bored. don't have boring stories. Oh, I have boring stories. <laughs> David Tennant does a podcast with... Jodie Whittaker. Um, hello, Jodie. Hi, David. Thanks for being here. No, this is very exciting. It's very if relaxed. not a little surreal. A little surreal, yeah. <laughs> Jodie Whittaker. If you weren't sitting here today because you were off the telly, what would have been your alternate life? Oh, if I'd have been an actor? If you hadn't, yeah. I was very much at all eggs in one basket. So if it hadn't have happened, if I hadn't got into drama school and all that, I think I'd probably be running a pub. Just, oh. I kind of think landlording, landladying's a bit in the blood. My grandparents, my my dad's mum and dad, ran pubs all their life. My dad was brought up in a pub. I've worked in one since I was allowed to, and I worked as a barmaid basically all through drama school. And so I think had I not done it, had I not got in and all that route, I think because it was my only other skill. <laughs> right. I'm really good at it, and it's a very I think, like, the thing is, it sounds ridiculous because people think, oh, it didn't require a lot to be good at. Yeah, it does. It requires quite a lot, actually. Yeah. I'm very good. I, you know, People you, skills. Yeah, I'm really good at people skills. I've got a good memory for a, a huge order. Um, Have you? Yeah. It always amazes me when you put in an order to someone and they turn around. You're like, no, I haven't finished yet. And they do a drink at a time. I'm like, oh, wow, this is taking ages. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I think it would have been something like that or something to do with food. But I haven't any other skills, so I don't have a skill set. Yeah. I couldn't have been a chef or anything like that. I think if you had an alternate dream life, it'd be running in like a gastro pub, something like that. Right. But it requires a business brain, and I don't have that either. So I, I, I thank the Lord, touching wood, that 
I could act because that was the only option I gave myself. And what age were you when you first thought, oh, I could do that? I was watching, you know, Thriller. What, so, the Michael Jackson video? Yeah, but yeah. I got, me and my brother got bought the VHS of it, of the making of it. Yeah. And I think it was handy because it stopped me being absolutely terrified about right. it because it's such a scary music yeah. video. But watching the making of it and realising that, oh, it's pretend and you can, oh, do, right, you can right. do it. I think it was just that. I, I think I've always lent myself to voices in my head and I do it now. Like when I've, you know, when I was like training for a marathon, I've done two. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I, I like ran with like stories and yeah. stuff. I've always done that. I've always had make-believe I, say, I, I can do it now just if I'm bored. You know, like, how many hours are we having a trailer? Oh, I, say, I, can't, I can read a book and do all these things, but eventually I will just kind of randomly go off on tangents of making shit up. <laughs> and you did that as a kid? Yeah, I just did it all the time. All the time? Yeah, oh, but, I, I played by myself loads. As, right. as you know what I'm like, yeah. I'm an absolute crowd person. Yeah. I love people. I'm not a very solitary individual, but as a kid, I, my mum said I would just sat all out for hours and net I just I was so easy to look after because I just had all my toys and everyone had a backstory. <laughs> I used to do that as well. I wonder if that's common. I used yeah. to be in the back garden making up stories. So your mum and dad weren't your dad he was brought up in a pub but he didn't run a pub. No, he just brought up in it yeah. and then has frequented yeah. since then. Right. So that and that's Skelman Thorpe. Yeah. What's Skelmanthorpe like? It's so hard to say Skelmanthorpe right. without slipping into a ludicrous northern accent. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you ludicrous? Yeah. Skelmanthorpe. <laughs> Skelmanthorpe. What like in Skelmanthorpe? Basically, Skelmanthorpe is in a collection of villages surrounded by Huddersfield, Barnsley and Wakefield. Right. There's a line, you see. Yeah. Barnsley's in South Yorkshire and Huddersfield and Wakefield are in West Yorkshire. And who's better? There's no better. You're not getting me to say that on the radio. Not, There's just, just a bit of a political divide. I just thought divide. maybe there was a better. There isn't a maybe better. Maybe there is a definitive answer to that. Okay. There would be. It depends who you ask. Uh, so you've grown up in Skelmanthorpe and you've decided you want to be an actor. Uh, is everyone coming on you up? I think it was more like, oh, of course she does. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yeah, you don't want to do what like, anyone else wants to do. Of course you do. But Can nobody you... made you feel that that wasn't possible. Oh, my careers advisor at school, whoever that person was that I met for three hours, yeah. they said it was, you know, was a ridiculous notion in, in so much words of it wasn't secure, you know, nine out of ten don't make it. Yeah. I'm 15. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just, you know, and I went home and my mum were furious. With the careers advisor? Yeah, absolutely. Because she, because also this thing of have a backup plan. Absolutely don't have a backup plan. Oh, that was your parents' view, was yeah, it? Yeah, don't have a backup plan. Good because for them. what it because you know, I think I was brought up more that you were a you know, a cat with nine lives. And so the first life put everything into when you've got the most amount of energy. And if that's the one you really want and it works out, then it works out. But if it doesn't, I've got enough about me to go, Oh, okay, and I'd do this. Like now, if you ask me the question of what would I do now if I did it, if I stopped acting, there's many things I'd want to do because life has taken you on a journey to be more open-minded. But when you're 15 and you are obsessed with films and television, that's what I wanted to do. And it wasn't like you needed to sound or look a certain way to be an actor. It was like, well, Kez was filmed around the corner. Yeah. You know, and I'm not as broad as him. <laughs> so surely. So do you think they gave you fearlessness? Well, I'll tell you exactly what my mum and dad gave me. They gave me a confidence to always ask why. I was ne never self-conscious, and even now. I mean, there's loads of times when I've asked you what words mean on set yeah. or 
you know, we can be I talking. said, yeah, like, yeah, of course, well, you of have, course. But I remember, no, but I, can, I remember times like where we've sat with, you know, Olivia. And uh, I can't call her that. <laughs> Such a weird word for her. Um, so I sat with Olivia. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, we, you know, people be talking and you'll use a word and I'll be like, oh, what does that word mean? I have no sense that that is, maybe I should know what that word means, or subtly Google it myself. It's right. like, well, I don't know, and you you know you've just used it. Right. Or in terminology when we're working in the stuff in a stage direction, I have no issue saying I don't get it. Yeah. But it's only because my mum and dad's thing was, well, how are you going to know if you don't ask? Rather than, oh, but my dad's other piece of advice, <laughs> which completely contradicts it, but it's also equally... Wonderful is say it with confidence and people will believe you. Well, that's acting, though, isn't it? <laughs> so I've got like, I don't get it, and I absolutely know the answer to that. <laughs> I've got a happy mix of both, but I think it also helped growing up. For a girl, I was brought up totally gender neutral without it being a thing. I was brought up in a, it kind of a quite a masculine house, and without realizing it. I suppose, you know, I was always like, you're a tomboy. I'm not, I'm just myself. You know, yeah. we, we credit women by complimenting them, by telling them that they are like boys, which always fascinates me. Mm. Like, oh, I'd be like, is she really cool? She's a tomboy. Mm. No, she's just a girl. Yeah. <laughs> she's still a girl. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I was very much in that terminology of you're a tomboy. and But that was basically, that was good at sport. And I was perpetually you know, lanky and I imagine you were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no way you were a curvy kid. No. You know, I was lanky and and I just, and I was physically able to do stuff, so I didn't hit, like puberty wasn't a self-conscious journey for me either and I wasn't an ingenue either. So I didn't need to have, to suddenly think, oh, Jesus, I need to be really cool now because people fancy me. That was not happening. <laughs> so, you must have had boyfriends and stuff. No, not really. When I was growing up, I just had yeah. loads of mates and I had loads of boy mates and right. loads of girlfriends. Right. And we're still really tight now. Yeah. Um, and how was your relationship with your parents during that time? Did, really, did... all I remember is being able to cry. And still now, I'm someone who can openly be emotional. I've never had to bottle anything. Right. And you don't realise how unusual that is until you grow up and realise that not everybody talks. Mm. But I, I talk so much, I think, that... It's not to my detriment, but I do sometimes struggle with the line of when to when to overshare. Right. Because I just tell new people stuff all the time. Right. And then you realise you're never going to see that person again and they know everything about you and I didn't know even know their last name. <laughs> Hawks. That's probably more of an issue now that you're sort of public property. I know I have to be, well, actually I'm going to say something about you, DT. You oh, can cut then. this out because it's your own podcast. Oh, do I like I now appreciate why I had to proper quiz you to get to know you in season one. <laughs> I did, like I was fully like, obviously I knew Bookham before and I knew Olivia a bit before, but I'd be like, so, and I'd ask you loads and loads of questions and it took about two months for me to crack you. God, I didn't even notice you No, but, but it's only because I now know it's because I've always known the eyes were on you and whenever we're on set, yeah. you know, there was... Never a time when there wasn't someone who knew you <laughs> where we right. were filming. Yeah. And if we go out for dinner, yeah. people knew who you were. Yeah. And so actually offering everything up to everyone yeah. who you don't actually, you know, you didn't, I could have been a knobhead. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I could have well, told everybody everything. I won't. Yeah. But like, you, I get it now in that sense of like, I was chatting away in my taxi this morning. And then I just thought, Oh, maybe I should be being a bit sneaky now. <laughs> now I need to like censor what I'm saying. 
we first met on Broadchurch. Yeah. 2012. Yes. Uh, was that the first time that you did feel people recognise you in supermarkets and things? No, not for me. I didn't really get it. Not on Broadchurch at all? No. Afterwards, I had blonde hair. But no, the thing I get, apart from now, obviously, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure I'm going to be recognised for this one little job that yes, I'm doing. Yes, sure, sure. It's um, likely. Yeah, likely. Um, no, Black Mirror. Oh, yeah. From it going on Netflix, the minute it went on Netflix, that was it. Right. Because really, like, I am bottle blonde. Yeah. And I get it loads in, you know, I've never, ever had anything in America. You know, I could wander around because spend loads yeah. of time there. And um, now I get loads of Black Mirror. Yeah. Which I'm delighted with because I'm like, oh, it makes me seem so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was very cool. It was a very cool episode. Well, you're the poster now. Well, yeah. Yeah, your big old face everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, my lovely little deep frown line. It's made it onto all the posters. <laughs> I haven't noticed that. I've got an angry bum. But I wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't, you know, because I do think, you know, there's a lot of episodes where you're squinting and I think if I didn't have that frown line, you wouldn't know it was Sunday. <laughs> well, quite. Yeah, so you would never, you would never start. Uh... I'm allergic. It's not even vanity. And also for right. me, I'm just like, I'm too young. Yeah, I do, you know, and I. It doesn't stop some of them, though. No, does it? it doesn't. But I also think it's an undeniable pressure on humanity at the moment to look your best a lot yeah. of the time, and and I think, I think you know, I'm lucky that my journey through the world of acting has very much been about screwing up my face and nagging my eyes out yeah. and it's not about being like I was saying the ingenue it wasn't like I, you know th there isn't that pressure to to appear to be uh, to look a certain way it has been asked though you know it, you know it's it, there's certainly I would say there's certainly times when I was younger that in certain scenarios there was suggestions that potentially you might want to think about certain stuff and it fascinates me that I want right you know if someone said that to me now I'd what be, kind of stuff do you mean you know like I think I got, I think I was doing a camera test for something and I will say something because I can't be arsed with the repercussions of what it was and and someone saying, you know, it is very deep. <laughs> this is you talking about your frown line again. Yeah. I've, I mean, literally, I've literally never noticed it. How have you never noticed it? Oh, I, mean, I can see when you've screwed your face up. <laughs> yeah, but, but I always like... screw my face up. You know how animated I am. <laughs> well, but that's good, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I don't that's give great. I don't care. Right. Like, I think the but thing it has is, been suggested to you. Uh, yeah, and it just... It, it just Does more... it make you angry? No, it doesn't now. I just, but I just think, thank, thank fuck, I want really impressionable. I but... think I was just like, no, no, I'm all right, thanks. But that's quite but something it's, to be that... But it's just hard. Especially it's... as a young as a younger I was never, I've never been asked to lose weight, but maybe because I've always been... I've basically always been a bean yeah, pole. Yeah. But I know that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, sure, and I know it happens to you guys. Yeah. It absolutely yeah. happens. I know there's all this stuff. And, you know, maybe the conversation and the United Voice now and this push for openness and honesty and then maybe these things will be a thing of the past and we will just finally accept that we all look different and that is mm. ace. I've also I got asked to get my tash waxed. <laughs> didn't know I had one. I didn't know I had one. And it was translated to me in Hungarian. 
Oh, what, so had you started funny. shooting something? No, I was having a makeup test, and, and there was a tra- the translator who was this young kid had to like lean over and go. They really want you to get your. Do you want to get your tash waxed? I was like, I didn't know I had one, um, but no, because I'll probably be allergic to the wax. <laughs> so I said, sorry, you're just gonna have to colour it in. I like just like so I just left it, and even now I'm like, wow, I discovered that traumatic event at 26. Yeah, but they I were probably doing it for, my, for me. Either. Not Friday, it's just on one side. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just on one side. <laughs> Quite soon after drama school, you were in the movies, weren't you? Yeah, so I'd left in June. Yeah. I left early because I got a job at the Globe and then I was at the Globe auditioning and I got Venus. Right. So suddenly you're on set with Peter O'Toole. Yeah. <laughs> How was he? It's <laughs> just brilliant. Yeah. Have you worked with him? Yeah, yeah. What did you do with him? I played Casanova. I was the younger him. Oh, yeah. I had to wear blue contact lenses for three months. Because he wouldn't wear brown ones. (laughs) He can. His eyes are famous. Well, I know. Your eyes weren't famous then. You know, everyone goes on about DT's eyes. (laughs) Not then. (laughs) His his eyes are amazing as well. We're amazing. Absolutely beautiful. Um, Yeah, it was funny. Did that feel, but someone who would sort of, Growing up fascinated by cinema, were you aware of him as a legend or you, was he slightly before your time? I walked up to him on the first day and I was like, oh my God, I absolutely love King Ralph. And he was just, King fucking Ralph. I was like, yeah, it's a classic and all of you are in it. Because Leslie Phillips was in it, Richard Griffiths was in it. Right. I was like, oh my God, I'm like living the dream here. You're all in King Ralph. Yeah. You know, what were it like? What was it like? <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, all right then, what was Lawrence of Arabia like? <laughs> Have you seen it? No. <laughs> Which I hadn't. It is pretty good. Have you seen I it know, now? yeah, I've seen it yeah, now. I hadn't then though. Yeah. I was like, it's just really long, isn't it? It's a set <laughs> desert. And then, you know, you just you kind of I filmed in Wadi Rum a few years afterwards and thought, oh, if only I could go back. <laughs> if only I could go back. But I really got on with him and I absolutely adored being in his company because he was everything you'd want that man to be. Yeah. He is funny and he is provocative in his conversation and his opinions and he was generous and incredibly open as an actor and he taught me lots of things because I just thought, in your 70s when you've been doing this for years, you you don't really need to do any homework because you know what you're doing. Yeah. But the detail and on written all over his script and the fact that every single beat and rhythm was a choice and also could be changed in an instant, I was like, oh, God, you never stop learning. Yeah. And I know it sounds daft, but you just think, surely it gets easier as we get older. But actually, it gets harder because you, wanna, you don't want to regurgitate the same thing over again, and I think that's the thing that's... I, I realise it's actually harder the more you do, isn't it? Because mm. there's less habits you can re- yeah. Yeah. rely on because everyone knows them. Everyone's seen all your tricks. I know. Yeah. And especially in Bloody Doctor Who. Yeah. Like, in sense of it requires so much of you in every scene. You're like, I don't think at the end of this job I'm going to be able to find something new again because every single thing on this requires something yeah. from deep within. But Well, come, moving on to that, it probably... I, I don't know if you... Have you heard of Doctor Who? I have heard um, of it. I know something of it. I know something of some of the people involved. Yeah. Um, you were probably, to the outside world, not a most obvious choice. Well, I could tell by Tony your voice when I rang you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were a great choice because I know you. 
But a lot of your work has been sort of tortured, <laughs> tortured and crying. And that's and because you you're you have a wonderful openness for that and you have a capacity for that and you make you bring people on those emotional journeys and you make us cry and you do all that so brilliantly. But so then obviously Chris Chibnall, who was the showrunner of Broadchurch. I know. He knew How you. about that? I know. For a connection. So he knew you. He knew that But he you knows in that. between scenes me, doesn't he? Exactly. So for him, it makes sense. Did Chris call you up himself? We had a coffee. Right. And he said... No, I said, I thought we were meeting because basically our press, we were doing our press for Broadchurch and yeah. we were in town. So he was like, oh, do you want to meet for a coffee? I was like, yeah, that'd be lovely. So we met for a coffee. And I was like, when do you move to Wales? You know, just asking him those questions. And I was just, I really want to be a bad day. I really want loads of prosthetics. Yeah. And at that point, Peter had said to the you know, the powers that be that he was handing on his shoes, but right. it hadn't been public information. Right. So that wasn't outside of an inner circle either that Peter right. had decided to, you know, to move on. So Chris was like, well, it's funny you bring it up, but the doctor will be a woman. What about auditioning? Was there any part of you that had imagined the doctor Well, no, but did, were there you? Because I don't really know. Ooh, I mean, to it? me, it was just like, it's a guy. Right, right. I just don't know. I just never, yeah. it just wasn't. I know every year there's always a list of people yeah. and I'd never been on it. Right. <laughs> and even when it was me on these lists coming out, I still weren't on that list. Right, I yeah. was like, God, am I going to be you such a clanger? Olivia Coleman a lot I know, of time. at the top of it. Yeah. But I was like, am I going to be such a clanger that people literally cannot for the life of them put these two things together? So, you know, thank goodness it didn't have such a kind of horrific reaction. It was an amazing chat because it's with a friend. Yeah, sure. You got brought up. Right. Because for me, I was just... You know, I said I only know it through your through being with you. Yeah. You know, and and I know how much you loved it, and I know how much of a big part of your life it was. But I also know that it still is, yeah. and it's kind of a funny thing, isn't it? Like we'll do Broadchurch, and to some people we might be Alec and Beth. Yeah. But you're always the Doctor. Yeah. And and so that's. I can't compare that to anything. So you auditioned. You had to go through. There was a process. Oh but, yeah, well, well even, even at that moment, you're thinking. This is it's a life decision beyond just taking on a job. Yeah, because it's not did just that, me that it yeah. affects now. Like, and I'm a grown-up sure. and I've got... If I'd have been 25, I wouldn't have hesitated. I didn't even hesitate. I said yes straight away. Yeah. But there was an, there was an internal... It wasn't a hesitation, because I'm sure that'll get quoted back at me somewhere. It wasn't a hesitation. There was an internal sense of, this isn't just about me, whereas yeah. every other job previously kind of is as yeah. long as it doesn't take you away from home for too long and yeah. you know you can kind of go look this is what i'm doing next babe. yeah yeah but this was this is for life yeah and the amount of time you do it for will be a life-changing thing because it essentially means moving for that amount of time because you films in cardiff yeah apart and, from anything else yeah. yeah and and so there is a huge it, it doesn't just affect you anymore. Mm. It affects other people. And also I knew it didn't just affect me and my immediates. It affects my social circle and it affects my family because for them, they become, you know, of interest. Yeah. And because it has this fan base all over the world, it does mean that, you know, there isn't necessarily somewhere you can go where there isn't someone who knows it. Yeah. And I've never experienced that before. Obviously, I get people stopping me in the street sometimes. Yeah. But not, you know, I think the other week someone said that 
the first step got seen by 70 million people. Right. And that won't even touch the sides of what yours has been seen. But so that's like, that's quite a few places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For me so to... That, so even when you're auditioning, that's sort of sitting over... But it, it. it sits on me because I'm old enough and I've got enough people in my life who have varying degrees of whatever we consider success. Yeah. You know, but... So the outside world, I think fame equals success, and we know that's not the case. They're very different They're beasts. very different beasts, and they're not the same dream. <laughs> wanting yeah. to be a successful actor and wanting to be famous are completely different dreams, and I only had one of those dreams. Yeah. And so it was just a thing of knowing I wanted this part so badly and I was going to throw everything I had into getting it, just to know that if I didn't get it, I didn't blow it. Yeah. But... Knowing if I did get it, it it would be a it would be a certainly a direction shift, and and I think I know that because of you guys that I've worked with who are either you know the doctor or have been in it, but also from other people who are in stuff that essentially makes them famous. Yeah, and that was a consideration, but it isn't enough of a a negative. Because being someone well, who's really... Pause, I'm re- though, it gives you pause. It? I'm really private. I'm very paranoid. Yeah. I don't like being looked at and I don't like being listened to and I don't like being of interest to anyone. Great qualities for an actor. Yeah, really yeah. brilliant. In work, absolutely fine. Yeah. Out of work, I'm just like, ah. And I know I don't seem private in that sense, but there's loads of stuff that I just think are mine and should be mine. Yeah. And I do not understand why... I should ever have to explain what belongs to me and what doesn't, particularly because I offer up so much of the other stuff. I'm like, look, you can have this part of me, but this part of me is mine. And for these people. And and so that bit, knowing that that line might be, you know, for some people in my life, they might become more of interest to other people. And that's scary. And but then... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed with mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Actually, having done it, and doing it, it's it's kind of amazing to be a part of something where you work so hard and loads of people watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and they like it so far. And that you're a part... And also for me as an actor, you know, I, I can't sit there and complain about representation if you're not going to play the dream role that you would have had as a kid because all my favourite stuff growing up was stuff like it wasn't necessarily Doctor Who because I wasn't brought up in a Whovian house but it was this kind of stuff yeah. it was this otherworldly you know mystical sci-fi presented with huge questions of of ethics and morals and space and time and blah time and space <laughs> and all these things but 
in a role that, you know, is usually played by a guy. Yeah. So I wasn't going to ever turn that down, that opportunity. So as well as dealing with taking on this part, which is massive in itself, mm. is it at all irksome that you then are given this extra responsibility, not by yourself, just by the fact well, of it? F- the, that, the, that being the woman. The, yeah. I didn't really realise the responsibility uh, in such a sense until after the first episode came out. Uh, you know, because like I saw you the night before. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. in a bit of a... So DT and I had a lovely dinner in we New did. York. We were nice. at We're so jet set. We are so jet set, but it is the first time we'd seen each other yeah. in years. So I hadn't seen you since... I've obviously spoken to you loads, but I'd not seen you since I got it. Yeah. And so I was in like a kind of funny place because I knew the next day was essentially being... You the know. end of life as you knew it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> everyone kept saying it to me. I was like, I don't know what you mean. But then then when it came out and then, you know, people and the fans and we potentially from the figures got new fans, I realised, oh, I could have set us back. <laughs> like, if I'd have been crap, which I have been in some jobs, you know, there were jobs that I've done that I've gone, oh, I smashed that. And there's other jobs that I've done where I'm like, oh, my God, I was awful. I was so miscast. I was terrible. I pitched it completely wrong. You know, because that's the nature of the thing. But this job, had I pitched it wrong and got it wrong, I don't necessarily think I've got it right, but I know that, like, obviously that there's not been such a huge backlash <laughs> since it came no, out. No, it's been a massive it's been, celebration. It's been lovely, yeah, yeah, but I think I didn't really realise till then that I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, I could have absolutely set us all bloody back here. But, so it's not, it didn't feel like a responsibility, it just, it felt like something to be celebrated and and I'm really glad to be able to do that I just think what this can't be is a moment that will just that will be irksome yeah were you surprised at how much fuss was made about it about me being a woman yeah uh no <laughs> no <laughs> I mean I don't I think that, I think I think it were a small percentage that were loud that were like Ruined doctor. Oh, who. I don't mean negative. Well, oh, I mean negative oh, as well. the female thing. I just thing. mean generally the, oh, the, 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 the kind no, of. No, no, because I have to say, like, no, I, don't, I, don't, I wasn't surprised by it because I, I think it needed that conversation for us mm. to go. I suppose what I mean is, I, yes, I, I, I'm not surprised either because I think, and also it came at a moment in time when the world is re examining what it feels yeah, about re- gender politics. And, yeah, and, that's and all... this got cast before that as yeah, well. Yeah, quite. So, so it was oddly timely. Yeah. I think some of the questions I find. You know, you can tell a really great interview when someone goes, so do you think the next James Bond needs to be a woman? It's like, how is that the conversation? The conversation is let's open up points of view and to not always tell the same story from the same perspective. That is the conversation. Isn't it it interesting to see the world through many different eyes? That's the conversation. I suppose that's what I mean, though, that you're having to, by default, become this kind of symbol of a feminist position. And is that... Oh, at the same time, you're just doing this massive job and you've got all this work to do. And you, and Yeah, well, as a feminist and opinionated, I'm quite happy to have a voice in right. certain things, but I'm certainly not an expert is my thing as well. Yeah. So there has been times where, you know, someone could have said a load of statistics or, or, or something to me and I feel like, oh, I think I emotionally disagree with that, but I actually can't back that up. And I think the fact that I'm... I don't think anyone's giving me the mantle to know loads of stuff, but I would hope to reiterate, like, I know I know what I know and yeah. I know how I feel, yeah. but I'm in the lucky position that maybe I'm able to give voice to it, but I also don't think my opinion is law. It's an opinion. Yeah. But what I would be very keen to be able to articulate as well is that particularly for women, and I think men have this, who are put in kind of positions where you are given a voice, is that we are all still very flawed characters and that is okay. And the the, the 
young people should have many different types of people to look up to and none of that should be perfection. Mm. And, you know, the doctor certainly has flaws. Therefore, all the people that have played that character have flaws. And I think the fact that you're in a position where any wrong thing you say is like, no, 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 you've said this. It's like, well, of course I'll say something wrong. I'm going to say loads of stuff wrong. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure I'll be misinformed sometimes. Yeah. But so far... If you ask me my opinion on something, I feel like I'm an emotionally engaged person enough to basically say it, but I certainly wouldn't want someone to think that I've decided, like, I've decided that this is fact. Yeah. It's not. (laughs) Too many people out there thinking their opinions are fact. Do you feel the pressure, though, (laughs) now that people around the world are sort of interested in you because of the show? Yeah. Did that sit sort of heavily on you at all? Do you ever feel like you're now watching what you say? Oh, yeah, but I've always watched what I say. Yeah, sure. You're not on Twitter or all, are you? No, no, no. I've always had a sense of panic because my angst has always been being misinterpreted. Uh It's not necessarily that I've said the wrong thing. It's more that I think I'm hilarious half the time. When stuff's in print, don't sound that funny. Right. I also love the use of irony. Yeah. And I keep saying things like, because as a woman, how could I possibly do that? If you wrote that down... That comes in... That that means... But, you know, but obviously I've adopted a new voice when I say it, but they're not going to go, adopts a voice, says it's... So it's that that I feel the fear of. It's like, it's not that I think I've said the wrong thing. I just think there's a way of manufacturing that to fit within the question that wasn't asked, but was maybe put before Mm. the the thing that I've said. Um, So you're now in the world of Doctor Who. You are now part of that, Mm. the continuum of history. How much of it did you... I mean, how much of a scholar are you for it? Oh, nothing. I, no, not nothing. Don't throw, don't throw me under the bus. <laughs> Look at you. Try a bit favourite doctor again. <laughs> oh, do you know what? Those days are clearly gone, Julie. Oh, now you're no, here. do you know what? It was so funny. Do you know how many people say to me, David's my favourite. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, you've only been on a couple of weeks. Yeah, that'll soon change. Do you know what this girl said to me? It was so funny. So when the announcement happens, yeah. I was like, I went and hid. Uh, I went and hid in Wales. Really? Did you? Yeah, because like, well, you know, my mates, hiding in plain sight. Yeah, hiding in plain sight. But it wasn't. It was like you know the kind of I won't say where, but it was an area that I've been to before and may go again. All right. But it's a really beautiful bit of Wales. Wales is huge. In the, in the sense of it's not like going to a village sure, and trying to hide. Sure. So, you know, I've got um, various options of where to go. And I was um, baseball capped up because it was yeah. week after announcement, thinking I'm some kind of celeb, <laughs> sunglasses inside and all that shit. And I um, I went up to the, the <laughs> to a cafe and I went to order and this girl looked at me. She was about 17, so I was like, oh, I think this is my demographic. <laughs> and she was like... And I could see her just really psyching herself up. And she just went, are you? And I went, yeah. And I said, can I talk to you to one side, though, because I'm trying to be a bit sneaky and a bit hidey. And she went, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went and ordered and then came back and went, oh, are you a Hoovy? And she went, yeah, I really wanted Ben Wishaw. (laughs) 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 So I went, you still might get it. The possibilities are endless. You could get anyone you ever wanted. I was like, you oh, know. How did you react to that? Oh, I laughed my head off. Right. I went, I went, oh, don't worry. Don't worry. This, this, don't worry, I'm, I'm... going to play it exactly like Ben <laughs> yeah, Wishaw. Like, oh, don't worry, you've given me an excellent idea. <laughs> but I was like, oh, that is brilliant. And so she just went, oh, good luck. I went, thanks. <laughs> good luck, because clearly you're going to need it. But, you know, it's 
I can't remember the question before I started insulting oh, you. Don't worry. It's fine. But, I mean, have you? did you feel the pressure to kind mm. of... Homework. Do your research. And... So, I'd only seen a few apps right. previous because I'd one brought up with it. Yeah. I'd seen, like, bits of you guys. Yeah. I'd seen, um, when mates were in it, I'd seen their apps. Yeah. I mean, you were probably a bit young to get it first time. You were born in 82, Yeah, I'm 82, right? but it did, you know, it came it back. Still, and also, yeah. if you bought up in a house, you know, your family are watching the repeats of it or the VHS sure. of it. Yeah, or... but like by the time you're seven or eight, it's off the TV. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and you, you know, I, unless I got into it right yeah. away then. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, so then there was the gap. But I think for me, the, you know, I'd got, I'd got the, I remember the time out that came with Chris on the front, you oh, know, in his right, leather right, jacket. Right, yeah. And I'd never met Billy, but I thought she was ace. And so yeah. there was that thing of you were just familiar with the people coming into it. And, you know, my mate, Rebecca Staten, yeah. one of your ace. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. You know, and so things like that when you've got friends in it and, and then I auditioned and didn't get, didn't get a part. What part did you audition for? I don't know, because it was sides on it. Oh. So that was in Matt's time, Matt's, was it? yeah. Oh, interesting. They wouldn't have me during your tenure. Uh, but thank goodness, because maybe I wouldn't have been considered well, had quite. I got a bit of a, a who CV. Yeah. So anyway, so there were, you know, various bits like that, but I certainly want an expert, because you're a Whovian, aren't you? Yeah, I grew up Peter with it, absolutely. Absolutely is. Yeah. Um, and so then I started to watch a bit during my audition process, and I quickly decided that was not the way for Was me. that not helpful? Not at all. Why made not? Made me panic. Uh, right, It just right, made right. me panic because I suddenly started to feel that I just suddenly had this thing where I was like, oh, is that how you're supposed to do it? Uh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I was looking at the sides differently and everything that Chris had said to me was, you're not coming in and playing the doctor. You are playing the truth of the scene and the doctor will come out of that. Right. Just bring your energy and don't restrict yourself and don't overthink it and just come in. And so in my first audition, that's what I did. Right. And, and then where are the scenes? What were you doing? Were these scenes? He'd written them. Right, okay. So they were like versions of... Are they versions of scenes that have ended up in episodes? The one, it was an amalgamation of... of the Basically, there was a scene with Ryan and uh, Yaz wasn't in that scene and they won't call Ryan, um, where where I'm discovering that I'm... that I'm, I need to find a doctor and I don't know why necessarily and I put my finger up my nose. Oh, yeah. And so that whole thing, but the, the basically it wasn't set on a train and the train to the fing, finger up the nose thing right. was kind of amalgamated together. Um, there was a scene and then there were various other types of scenes. So there was, they just showed different types of yeah. the Doctor. But in the first round, there was a very relevant scene missing. There wasn't a huge gobbledygook scene. I know that's um, not a technical term and I'm going to get annihilated by the Whovians. There is no technical term. But that's the, the technical term. You know the term. real gobbledygook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There wasn't one of them in it. Yeah. So when I did come in for my first round, I was like, oh my God, I loved it. And and I just felt really emotionally connected. Yeah. Then I started to watch it and went, I did it wrong. I did it wrong. But also it's because everyone's so different. And I just thought, do you know what? I need to read this. Because if I were playing... Hamlet or Lady Macbeth or whatever. I'm mm. not going to theatre to watch the most no. recent production. No, sure. So I need to read this. And there's so much there. Like, I just, I need to read the history of it and the tropes and the rules and all that, which all contradict. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, but I thought, I thought this. And then it was like, I thought I was auditioning for 13, but now there's like, it's John Hurt and, and now there's David Bradley. Is he counted? Like, I was getting so stressed about yeah. it. And then, you know, okay, 
he's my wife, but what does this mean? <laughs> All these things. Well, that's interesting. Did you feel, because it was a part that up to now had only been played by a man, did you feel that the, you there were certain choices you had to make that were gender specific, or did no. you just you just went hey, there is no I'm not very, gender is irrelevant to this. I part. Th- I just thought it's a funny one because no one had ever asked you about bringing your gender to a role. No, and I am asked like you're not first person. I'm asked all the time about approaching a role from the woman's point of view. So all my I don't I well, yes uh, no, no, no I suppose no, I did ask it, but I, I sort of mean with the things no, you I thought. No, I know because of the, because it's the doctor and the doctor's been established it, yeah. in a male form. But none of the characteristics... I mean, are you playing someone in your head? Are you playing someone who's influenced by the fact that they've just been through a gender transition? Well, no. What I did was, obviously, in the first episode, playing the role of someone who is in a new body. Yeah. Because nothing, no traits, really, of the Doctor are gender-specific, I don't think. I think if any of the traits were said to me, I'd go, oh, yeah, well, I felt that. Right, and I, I know, I understand that feeling. It might get a different reaction, but yeah. my reaction might be similar to you, and maybe not similar to Matt. Or you no, know, but I think I William think I agree. Or, but then I didn't. You have didn't to have worry to think about, about it, that. yeah? Because yeah. my one, of, you know, I got asked loads of times by like randoms going, "So you're going to play as a girl?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to play it. Yeah. Uh, but I think the thing is because the relevance of the gender is obviously net one, and then also within it, there'll be time periods and scenarios where being a woman. Has a different response to the to the to the crowd you're yeah, in yeah. than the individual, and I think that's where it's really interestingly explored. Right. But regarding me, I just I just felt that I, I knew all these emotions, I feel all these things, and I felt all those things, and they didn't feel like they were limited to men right. to me. Sure. They were just human and alien, but with a capacity for me to connect to it because I did feel that the two hearts give us quite a lot of breadth of emotion. Uh And so that's why it didn't really play out. And so for me, it was just reading the stuff. Like I wanted to read it. I wanted to do my homework of like Chibs printed me like basically an encyclopedia of, of kind of, of, I suppose like, what the facts and well, like the facts, it's like a massive Wikipedia. Sure. It is like a di- dissertation on it. Yeah, and and it was like this contradicts this. This is a through line. This could be this, and but really, it's well, open. I bet he loved doing all that, didn't he? Well, give him an excuse to. Uh, yeah, no, I was like, get his hoodie like, and head on. Be writing. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, "Sorry, I'm doing Jodie's homework." But you know, I got all that. Like Sam Hoyle was brilliant. Sent me loads of stuff that had been really Who's helpful. The, what, what do you call Sam on? Your well, show? she's the exec on this. Right. For us, yeah. Right. And um, Sam worked on Broadchurch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too with, uh, on scripts with. Chris. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and and so I think this was. It was that that felt a way in for me because as soon as I started to watch stuff and see, I just felt like I've always trusted my instinct before. Mm. So to try and think, is this what you do? Won't going to help me. No, sure. And I don't know, but did you? You already had it in your head because you were already watching yeah. it. But did it mean that you felt free, or did you feel like, well, I kind of know what you should do? It's a hard question, isn't it? You sort of. It's why a mixture, in the world did you it? pick a different accent? I mean, with all those lines, was, how stressful was that? Well, it wasn't that we, it was, it was, I'd just done Casanova with Russell and that's how I'd spoken in Casanova. I know, and but, that's did, how but, they but these are different words. <laughs> I know, I don't mind, but I quite like an accent. You quite like an I accent. I love an accent, yeah. but on this, oh my goodness me. So that was never a consideration. No, it's we, fun, it's, I said to him, I was like, I presume you want it in RP. Oh, you was, did? Oh, you well, did, I just right? presume. Even though Peter had on, just done... 
Well, yeah, but even with, with, I don't know, there was just something about it that I felt, I don't know, there was just something maybe about my accent that I just I just presumed they wouldn't want it. Right. And so I said, you know, and he went, absolutely not, just use your own voice. Mm. So that was it. It was never the doctor's got a Yorkshire accent. No. Yeah. It was a really, what, and, it, and especially because at that time, Chris obviously knew that the first step was set in Sheffield. It wasn't that whoever got the part was then doing a well, Yorkshire so the accent. the first episode wasn't set in Sheffield because it's near where you're from. Absolutely not. Right. It's to do with Chibs. He went to uni there. Uh, yeah. There you go. So it was I just all assumed to do it would be him. set. No, it was there kind of go. like I think it was either uni or like a postgrad or something. But essentially, it was a bit of a for him. It was somewhere where creatively he started, uh, and so it was because of that. Right. So it was nothing to do with me because I'm not from Sheffield. Set in Huddersfield, at least. <laughs> no, sure, but, <laughs> but you know, but yeah, but but so whoever had got the job was going to use their own voice, right. and my voice obviously was that. So. Yeah. And when you were making decisions, did you feel like when you're making decisions on costume and you're making decisions on accent and any sort of character decisions, did you feel the pressure of the scrutiny of a million keyboard bashers around the world? I did before we started filming. So before we started filming, I overthought the entire thing. Because you are, like you say, you already admitted you're a bit of a warrior. Did that, does that, were you kind of thinking, if I do this, will people think that? If I do this, will people think that? I just felt that. I'd taken a lot of outside influences for it as well and I wanted to kind of collect a load of things that had been inspirational to me over my life. And I suddenly had a panic that that wasn't allowed, that you can only have Whovian references to bring right, to, your, right. to your role. Right. And I was like, oh, maybe I've done that wrong. But I think I met JMA Childs who directed the the first and last block of right. our season and I walked into the room and he is an encyclopedia on cinema in a way that we have very similar tastes. Right. And all of our references were absolutely in the same place. And I just felt so excited because I just thought, oh, okay, this is why they've been so excited about him. Because right. everything I said and everything Chris was saying he wanted the show to be, and I was like, yeah, I feel like I'm in the right place because this is the kind of stuff I'm thinking. He was absolutely of that. And so rehearsal made me chill out because I just thought, oh, do you know what? I, I don't think I'm in the wrong place ballpark and then when we did the read-through because the read-through is massive right so, so many people did it in studio one right oh in, in wales you know and it were however many couple of hundred people or whatever a couple of hundred people well, came you to your read-through well yeah because there's like all the departments of everyone and then everybody's like team like everyone's agents were you and everyone's... shitting yourself I was, but you know now from seeing the first episode that I don't come into it for quite a while. So I were, by the time it Just got to me, there. I was no, I was I was so immersed in everybody. Oh, okay. So that went the other. So oh, it okay. went the other way. Oh, good, good. But also, as soon as Sam started speaking of Tim Shaw, right, and I'd not spoken to him before, right. So he was sat opposite, and I'd like gone, you know, <laughs> and it and it were race going around the room, and I went, I'm. Jodie Whittaker can I play the doctor <laughs> like really played it cool but then Sam was sat opposite me I went hi and so in the read through when he started to talk and I was like oh, he did the and voice. he talks right. before before we encounter him he speaks yeah, to right. other characters right. so was, when he started speaking I was like oh my god it's been so fun it's been really hard there's been a lot of like you know you know what it's like you're in a scenario and you're losing the light and They've only got, you know, two more setups before Summit blows up and there is this one word you cannot get right. right. And the pressure is on you because you are the person with the most amount of dialogue and everyone else's hard work is going to go for nothing if you fuck this up. Yeah. And that, I've never felt that pressure before. You've played 
probably lots of leads. My, me and myself have never played leads. And when I have played leads, I've never been that heavy with dialogue. Right. So, you know, this the pressure of being so on it all the time. And I just, I, just, I felt that a lot. Yeah. But never from anyone else. It's just from my own self-loathing and the self-whips. But having three people who never let you get above your station, there's no egos, so we never had that thing of... Like sometimes I'll be like, fucking hell, shut up, grumpy twat. (laughs) You know, like you could just speak to him however you want. Right. He's the biggest kid on set. Mandip's just the lovely, she she couldn't be more even. She's never in a bad mood. She's always like happy. She's just a good person. Tosin's absolutely hilarious because he just, he's, he's, He's so laid back and then, you know, he's always having naps. He's <laughs> like some like teenager. But he's he can, you know, he's a brilliant storyteller. So like for all of us, we had four big personalities. And four big personalities, very different, but all big, yeah. don't necessarily fit no. on the same boat. No. But we did, and I think it's just because we didn't have anyone who not that we did on Broadchurch either. No, like we didn't. we didn't have anyone who decided to sit somewhere else yeah. or, you know, it's ne- it's very rare I've been on a job like that. But I also think that for us, it was very important. We felt that as a four who had in jokes and were very comfortable with each other, some people have got to come in and be a guest on it. Yeah. And they've got to go quite, they've got to go there. They can't feel like they don't have a friend on set and they can't feel excluded from the banter. And so for for us, it was just, we were all of the same mindset that you say hi to everybody in makeup and make sure everybody knows who everybody is and that we're all sat in between scenes together so that it gives people a space to go off and do work that they need to do. But if you just want to just talk about somewhere else, the opportunity is there. Mm. And I think I've learned that from you guys. I've learned that from all the jobs that I've been on. I learned that from Cranford when all these, like, A-A-A-A-Lister, you know, acting gold of the British Isles yeah. are sat in one massive circle all laughing and joking with right. each other. No one's sat somewhere else. Brilliant. Um, well, Jody, thank you for being here. Thanks. Thank you for being so... <laughs> Easy to talk to. <laughs> I just want to watch. You didn't even get any questions in. <laughs> it's probably it's great. I just sit here. <laughs> just sit here and go, oh God, it's like being on set with her. <laughs> Jodie's had two coffees. <laughs> Steer clear. <laughs> well, um, Jodie, thank you very much. Thanks, DT. David Tennant does a podcast with is a something else and no mystery production. Produced and edited by James Deacon. Additional production from Chris Skinner, Steve Ackerman, Sarah Camlett, Josh Gibbs, Joel Freeman and Georgia Tennant. Next time. If there's a part that comes along that's a wizard, for example. For example. Should there be such a part? (laughs) (laughs) I say to myself, well, I think I've rather played a wizard. I don't know if I've got another wizard in me. Also from something else. The Bugle presents The Last Post, a daily satirical dive into a universe just like our own, with Alice Fraser and guest appearances from Andy Zaltzman, Nish Kumar, and many more. 
there, there will be a further discussions on a vote uh, about whether we strap rockets to the bottom of England and launch it into space. And there will be people, <laughs> Alice, who say things like, I don't think we should launch England into space. Yeah, they would say And that, to those people they? I say, you are talking the country down and you <laughs> should be talking it up into space. Listen now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all good podcast apps.